Thanks to Indeed for supporting the Apple Bits XL. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed. The job site that makes hiring incredibly simple, just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash applebits. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Hey, everybody, if this does sound slightly different, it's because I am remote right now. I'm actually in San Diego. I'm here for, you know what it is, Comic-Con 2023. And I'm actually here because I get the honor and the privilege to be the moderator for the Mortal Kombat panel that is happening as of the time of this recording tomorrow afternoon, which will be really amazing. So they have some big announcements, character reveals, cool behind-the-scenes stuff, um, and some of the voice actors will be there. Ed Boon, the co-creator and uh, the head for art design and character design and story will be there as well. So you know me. I'm a Mortal Kombat junkie, but that doesn't mean that the Apple world stops because there's always news. So it's not going to be the longest show just because right now we have a few rumors. We've got to talk about next generation Macs. We've got to talk about iPhone stuff and then some other products that are coming in the pipeline. So we're going to jump into that. But before we do, let's just take care of some orders of business. You know what it is. Love for you to be a part of this show. All you got to do is just call in, record a voice memo, applebitsshow at gmail.com. Send in your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about. I got a couple, but I'm just going to wait for a few more to come in, and we'd love to hear from you. It just adds so much texture to the show. So applebitsshow at gmail.com is how you do it. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Tong is how you support this podcast. It's how you support my videos. It's how you support everything, but what do you get with the membership and supporting my stuff? It starts at $2 per month, $5, it's like a cup of coffee, or the $100 Platinum Apple level, you get early access to content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the podcast. Completely ad-free. So everything that I just talked about, it'll it'll be gone. You won't hear from it. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong. All right, let's jump into it first of all with Max. I know sometimes we lead with iPhone, but it's not as significant as what's happening in the Mac world, and we've heard for a while We're at the point where every Mac has been loaded with an M2 chip of some sort at its highest level, and the next logical thing is to think, okay, well, when's the M3s coming? Now, we've heard rumblings that the next generation M3 3-nanometer chips would potentially launch later this year. Uh, We had reports from Bloomberg's Mark Gurman that The first M3-powered Mac could arrive as early as this October. Uh, We wouldn't expect it to be on anything like the high-end Macs, but rumblings point to that an October event, which does follow Apple's iPhone, Apple Watch event in September, and with kind of the current state of Apple's product lineup, suggests that this would be an event to focus on new Macs with M3 chips because WWDC, the focus was not only the operating systems, but really the new Apple Vision Pro. We have new 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pros that launched in January, 
More recently, we got a new 15-inch MacBook Air with the M2. Then you had the Mac Studio and Mac Pros that got as high as M2 Ultra in June. So this looks like maybe they're laying the groundwork for the computers that could first be loaded with an M3 chip would be something like the next iMac or a new 13-inch MacBook Air and maybe even a new 13-inch MacBook Pro. Now, I'm not sure if it would, I I would assume it wouldn't be the old body design with a new chip, but look, everything's on the table right now. But if you look further ahead, the 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pros with M3 chips, those are expected to arrive in early 2024, and those would get an M3 Pro, an M3 Max chip. So you've got to have some computers in Apple's product family that start with the M3 chip, and it obviously makes sense that something like an iMac or a 13-inch MacBook Air could be those machines. And remember, the M3 chip, this is expected to be built uh, on the new 3 nanometer process where you're getting better performance, better power efficiency over the current 5 nanometer based M2 chip. Um, and that's what the current most recent Macs are based on. So there's a lot of buzz that is happening in October could be that time based on multiple reports. And like I talked about in my reviews, the M2 chip, the, the power and the ability when it comes to whether you're just doing normal stuff, the power efficiency, we're talking about the battery life, how quiet these machines are. We're already at the point with the M2 that if I bought someone like a family member an M2, let's say I just bought, I still haven't done it. Let's just say I buy the 15 inch M2 MacBook Air for myself, which I've taken on trips already. It's so much lighter than my beast of a 16 inch MacBook Pro. And of course it doesn't have the same power, but I feel like I can do pretty much 90% of what I can do as long as I'm willing to be a little more patient with the M2 15-inch MacBook Air. And if I can do that, I think of a general consumer who's playing with a little bit of photos, some video, but mostly word processing, email, surfing the web, and watching YouTube videos. And that is a machine, currently the M2, with the media engine to tear through 8K video, that up to 8K video, I should say, that that machine already to me is easily lasting five years right now. And the more overhead, the better, but the M3, you know, for someone like me who has an M1 Max MacBook Pro 16-inch, I am looking at the M3 because I do feel like that is easily going to be that next step or real true feeling of next-gen processing. That maybe I'll actually feel because right now the M1 to the M2, if you match up comparable processors, let's say a regular M1 to an M2, uh, M1 Pro versus an M2 Pro, an M1 Max versus an M2 Max, you're basically getting M1 Ultra to an M2 Ultra, you're basically getting about a 20% increase in performance, which is nice, but that is not enough for someone like me to upgrade year after year. That That's just irresponsible, quite honestly, for me. So I haven't done it, and maybe the M3 will pique my interest once it's in the machine that I really want. So we'll see what happens there, but all projections right now is that we could potentially see an M3 chip in a piece of Apple hardware as early as this year. And if it is this year, it would be October. Now let's talk, obviously there's always stuff to talk about with the iPhone, the iPhone 15, the iPhone 15 Pro, all the chatter, all the rumors. It does feel like we know 90% of what this thing is gonna be like, what this thing is going to look like. Well, new report recently um, and pulled from a Twitter post by user 
RG Clouds has talked about that the iPhone 15 lineup could feature for the first time stacked battery technology for increased energy density and a longer lifespan based on these rumblings. Now, we've heard for a while that the new iPhones, specifically this year, one of the focuses would be a bigger battery. And yes, this is a bigger battery, but it's because of how the technology is used. So this stacked battery technology, this is not, this is nothing new per se, but we've heard plenty of leaks and reports about even Samsung's Galaxy S24 and S24 Ultra models, which will are expected to be released and showcased uh, sometime next week, actually. They're also rumored and expected to utilize stacked battery technology. So what this is, is a manufacturing technique called lamination where you have these elements and separators that are folded into zigzag layers instead of being rolled up. And since they're not being rolled up, there's less wasted space within this packaged battery cell. And that allows you to have more active material that can be in there where if you're rolled up, you're always gonna have some sort of like cylinder of space. And that results in greater overall capacity. You get higher energy density compared to a wound up battery. You even have heat that's distributed a lot better and more uniformly across the battery cell rather than like being concentrated in a single area. And this also helps to prolong the battery's lifespan. So there are benefits for this stacked battery technology across the board. And the expectation is that the iPhone 15 family will be getting this new tech alongside with other phones from other manufacturers as a whole. Uh, One of the places they've pretty much borrowed this idea from, and I'm sure someone's already saying, these have already been in EVs for a while. Well, yes, electric vehicles, they do rely on stacked batteries and that gives them high power output. You get really fast recharging as well. You have superior energy densities there as well. So this is not only happening in the EVs, you have this in some medical devices, aerospace and aviation. So this is nothing new, but bringing it to the iPhone would make it new. Now, in addition, this Twitter post claims that they've seen signs of Apple exploring a 40-watt wire charging and a 20-watt wire charging via MagSafe, which be would be higher than they've ever been for Apple's lineup. Um, we're not sure if this is going to relate specifically to the iPhone 15 or maybe looking even more forward to the iPhone 16. But a stacked battery? Come on. We know the biggest thing now these days with our phones is if you had to ask me what are the two features I want to see about see in the iPhone 16 or sorry the iPhone 15 that I care the most about would be a better camera and when I mean better camera finally a camera with a nice significant competitive optical zoom and better battery life and that camera that I'm talking about could be around the corner I mean we've heard plenty of rumors around this this idea that at least the iPhone 15 Pro Max will be the only model to feature an upgraded telephoto lens by using periscope technology where they have you know they take up more space within the phone to be able to use the optics and zoom in a lot more in the image that we see and the rumors at least for Apple's telephoto lens is that it would enable up to a 5 to 6x 6x optical zoom if you're shooting photos with that rear camera that is currently compared to 3x on the iPhone 14 Pro and the iPhone 14 Pro Max. And what this basically means for people that aren't as familiar, when you zoom in, optical zoom does not have any blurriness, right? Digital zoom, when you go up to somewhere like 4X, 5X, 6X, 
it's just pushing into an image that can't get any sharper. And so the periscope lens is all done optically. You're gonna get a better looking image. And I've talked about it for, geez, I feel like it's years now. I keep on talking about it. Uh, you know, you have people like the Galaxy S23 Ultra, even before that, I think it was, was around the S21 or even the S20 where it started using the periscope lens. You have the Pixel 7 Pro, uh, Samsung, Google, Huawei, plenty of companies offering already between 5X and 10X optical zoom. I think someone criticized me and said, why do you say 5X and 10X? Okay, a five times and 10 times optical zoom. I'll say it for you. If that makes you feel better, not 5X, not 10X, five times and 10 times. So we know the iPhone 15 family will come out sometime in September, the iPhone 15 Pro Max with this rumored telephoto lens, thinner bezels, new A17 three nanometer chip processor, USB-C port, a titanium frame, and this new periscope lens. Just that, I've never had a large screen iPhone, but that telephoto lens is compelling to me. It doesn't mean I'm gonna do it, but I'll take a serious hard look at an iPhone 15 Pro Max. I've never purchased an iPhone Pro Max phone ever, but you got, you got me interested, I'm not gonna lie. Also, reports recently came out that the iPhone 15 Pro and 15 Pro Max supplies could be constrained due to display manufacturing issues, which could lead to a number of really limited devices being available at launch in September. We've heard stories like this before, and maybe the shipping times, instead of being around one week to two weeks, were more like two to four weeks with previous products. That could be the case as well. And according to reports, some of the rumors are suggesting that the slimmer bezels that are happening on the 15 and 15 Pro, and they're slightly slimmer, but you know, the slimmer the better, we always say, at least when it comes to bezels, that this new decrease in the bezel size is what is potentially creating the issues that are causing this potential delay. This is all based on rumor reports and hearsay, but I'm just saying, it's it's there, it's there. All right, thanks again to Indeed for sponsoring the Apple Bits XL. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope your perfect candidate is gonna find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. Now, Indeed Instant Match helps you make a short list of great candidates fast. The moment you sponsor a job, you get a list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Then you can invite them to apply right then. Indeed helps you hire great people fast. Plus, Indeed makes finding quality candidates even faster with 135 assessments to help make sure you find applicants with the right skills. Best of all, you only pay for applicants who you meet your must-have qualifications. Now, according to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Join more than three million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so WWDC has passed. Uh, if you've been checking out my channel, I've been posting what 
iOS 17 so far, watchOS 10. I'm looking to do a deep dive into tvOS, the public beta that some of you may or may not have installed. And I think uh, that's one of the most exciting spaces for change, at least in Apple's product line. And I talked a little bit about it last week, but also at WWDC before the keynote, I had talked about it plenty of times on this podcast that I was wondering how Apple would address Siri or not from a standpoint of, again, what, year maybe three plus with Gian Andrea, who had come over to kind of head their AI division from Google, and we just really haven't seen much happen. And I said, hey, if Apple doesn't show us any type of, it doesn't have to be super in-depth, but the fact that they're really pursuing and looking at AI seriously and integrating it into their OS, they showed a little bit with uh, some email responses and how the keyboard uh, can read or predict, use predictive text and things of that nature. But it's nothing like we felt, oh, this is prevalent and a theme throughout the OS or anything like that. And I felt like after seeing Google I.O. and what Google is doing with AI throughout their OS, throughout their apps, there's a big significant gap between the two companies. And I was hoping to see, okay, let's give them the benefit of the doubt at WWDC. But I said, if they don't address or even talk about this, it's going to make that gap feel even bigger because you can see just in so many small ways, you know, AI could be maybe a more generalized term for exactly what it's doing. But, you know, this is machine learning and being able to offer us ideas and suggestions that we can choose based on its predictive nature and knowing data inputs and what is the ultimate, what is a potential best response or best outcome from us. Well, the latest report from Bloomberg's Mark Gurman now says that Apple is actually working on, I'm going to air quote this, Apple GPT artificial intelligence projects that could, I say that very cautiously, could rival OpenAI's ChatGPT, which is obviously very prevalent, has been used everywhere. I mean, Microsoft is on board with them as well. Um, and that's according to Bloomberg's Mark Gurman. Work on AI has become a priority for Apple over the last few months. And then we've got chatbot services and AI functions in apps that are proliferated. So Apple has developed a framework for large language models similar to ChatGPT, similar to Microsoft's Bing and Google's Bard. And it's developed its own internal chatbot that some of the engineers refer to internally as Apple GPT, which internally is you know a fun way to play on chat GPT. Uh, they don't have a clear strategy for how to use it, according to German, or even creating products for consumers, but they're playing with it because they need to be. I, you can't be behind in the AI race. And Apple is internally worried that, according to the report, that they might be lagging behind on some of these new AI-based technologies. Uh, you wouldn't say, and even just the way that these AI chatbots could, how they interact with you and us with our smartphones, being able to do more things easily, faster, quicker. And, you know, it always, there. Uh, one of the concerns is that Siri has been able to get a lot of criticism over the years, and I've been one of its strongest uh, critiquers. Critiquers, is that, is, that the, is that a word? Is that even a job? Critics. <laughs> See, my brain is dying, but... I've been one of their strongest critics because I'm like, what has changed? And not not much has fundamentally changed in how we interact with it, with the type of responses we get. I mean, it was it's a joke, it's a half laugh, but it is kind of sad when we finally are able to do multiple timers on Siri. 
I think four or five years after we could do it on other platforms. And it was something that if you cook or if you're doing multiple things in the house at once or you have guests over, things like that, multiple timers matter. And it took them, I swear it was like four or five plus years just to add multiple timers to Siri. So with this Apple GPT tool, employees have to get special access to access this chatbot that Apple's working on, according to German, and its output can't be used to develop anything like new product features for customers. It's just being using for being used for like prototyping and answering questions based on data that Apple has used to train it. So they're learning. They're learning. They're playing around with it. I mean, we even had Tim Cook come out pretty publicly during the recent earnings call, and he talked about how, look, Apple's experimenting with AI, but they're not all in. He used the quotes of how it's important to be deliberate and thoughtful and that there's a number of issues that need to be sorted. I think he's right. The slower we approach this, the better. I mean, even uh, one of the godfathers of AI has left his position at Google to basically be a vocal, vocal proponent of just letting people know like, hey, we need to take this seriously and be very cautious with how the, we use this. There are great benefits, but there are also very severe risks. And I'm not saying, you know, Skynet is taking over. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, if you saw Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning recently, I'm not saying that the entity is near, but we're actually closer to that than you you might think, right? A sentient, intelligent, digital presence with a brain that can scour and move in and out of networks and learn things and scrape things and kind of learn everything. I, I don't I don't think we're actually uh I'm not saying it's next it's it's coming coming, but we're closer than I think a lot of people think of how smart and how fast this technology evolves. So there's no word yet if Apple's gonna release some type of consumer facing chatbot. My assumption would be that maybe they start, you know, aggressively using it more in customer service and trying to mitigate, you know, some of the flow of calls and interactions that could be easily fixed and resolved over an online chatbot. And there's plenty of companies that are already doing that right now. But at least in iOS 17, I talked about earlier some of their predictive text functionality. It's gotten better and they have their own now, very similar to Google's, but they have their own visual lookup that can identify photos and give you information about it. But we are not expecting to see any type of significant Apple announcement specifically around AI or even what they would publicly call this Apple GPT tool that they're using in the background. We don't know. Could, does it make sense for them to at least say something or address it in 2024? Sure. But according to all reports, there are no concrete plans of that happening anytime soon. So I think if you want to be honest in the arms race when it comes to chat GPT, at least right now, and it could be for better, it could be for worse. I mean, we've seen how Apple does have the ability to play the slow game, and it has been advantageous to them in some ways. I, I think we don't know how the Vision Pro is going to sell, if it's going to even sell at a starting price of $3,499. But I will say Apple playing the slow game on that and waiting for it to actually be in a position where it's at least polished enough to show what they're thinking and what they're doing, the, the actual technology in there is leaps and bounds above, I would say, 99 percent of what is out there on the market and when that's the case well then apple is able to create a new narrative 
and dialogue around VR and augmented reality, uh, but we're not calling it that, right? Spatial computing, right? A new platform for computing that also happens to have some VR AR features and entertainment features. And I'm telling you, don't sleep on Apple Immersive Video. I think that is going to be one of the killer apps, hands down, from their uh, next VR acquisition. But Apple is trailing in in uh, AI, and I don't know if this is a uh, this is a platform that they they can afford to be that much behind. But we'll see. Again, we always see how it plays out, and typically because of the marketing machine and its user base, and the reality is that Apple continues to actually gain more market share in the phone space they're not losing it after all this time they're still it might not be as dramatic but they're still gaining little by little uh apple has the luxury to play the slow game also new products that apple is working on and we may see in the near future a report from ming chi Kuo says that the second generation apple watch ultra that is expected to launch later this year will feature 3d printed mechanical parts uh the funny thing is, I said it in one of my videos, I don't know if, I really don't think Apple necessarily needs a second generation Ultra. I'm curious, would, they'll never show us, but I'm curious what the sales numbers are. And the only reason I say that is because in one of my videos, I did like a six month review later. And, you know, typically Apple releases something like a refresh, like a new color or new bands. And they did none of that for the Apple Watch Ultra, which would lead me to believe that, yes, people are obviously buying the watch, but when it comes to accessories, and you're talking about a, a watch band from Apple for $99, those didn't take off. And then I am really curious, what's the actual market share for the Apple Watch Ultra model compared to all Apple Watches? I'm gonna guess it's pretty small. Am I, if I had to throw out a number right now, maybe I'm making this up so no one hold me to it, is out of all Apple Watches sold, does, does the Apple Watch Ultra even make up 10% of that number? Even 10%? $7.99 price point. An SE, I believe, is $2.79. And you can pretty much do everything you need to. Of course, there are distinguishing features behind the two different models. And then you have you know, the larger Apple Watch face in between. But maybe a 10% of all Apple Watches are Ultra. I don't know. If it, I'd be surprised if it was something like 30 or 40%. I wouldn't be surprised if it was 20, 25. But if it's somewhere around 30 to 40%, I'd actually be pretty surprised for all new purchases. I don't know. Anyways, it's always nice when Apple kind of refreshes things. I, Other than processing power, watch OS 10, maybe improve battery life, I don't and because we're not expecting any new health sensors in the Apple Watch Ultra anytime soon, uh, things like blood sugar level, blood alcohol, uh, you know, we we just don't know when those are actually coming. Those still still seem to be several years away. So some of these three D printed components could include that are that are going to be brought to the new second gen Apple Watch: the digital crown, the side button, the action button. Uh, these would be the only mechanical parts of the Apple Watch Ultra, and typically. Titanium parts are CNC machined, right? That's like when they're kind of like carved out. Um, but the change has the potential to maybe improve their production time and reduce costs if they could believe Apple can successfully adopt 3D printing technology in the future to make some of their own components more efficiently and faster. And, you know, you've got to try this with different things. I believe it was, I feel like it was the battery uh, clip or that battery pin that comes with the iPhone that, a long or a long time it was like oh this is the first 3d printed or titanium 
Apple part. I, someone someone might want to correct me on that, but I feel like that was the case a few years ago. Also for timeout, next-gen products, the next-gen iPad Air is expected to be in development right now and will also get a spec bump, according to Bloomberg's Mark German. Uh, we know that the first Macs with the M3 chip could be announced as early as October. We talked about that. Uh, no major upgrades across the iPad lineup. In fact, we're expecting to see maybe that next jump in the iPad lineup to be OLED screens, but all reports and rumors say that's not happening this year. But a spec-bumped iPad Air, maybe not the biggest upgrade, um, it's still unclear. Like, I mean, would they throw an M3 in it at some point uh, early this year? I mean, sorry, towards the end of this year or early next year? Um, we'll see. But it typically gets refreshed in October, and this would be an interesting telling time if, you know, our is an M3 iPad is an M3 chip coming to the iPad Air, or are they going to hold off and only bring in M3 iPad Pros with those OLED screens rumored for 2024? We'll see. The other thing that you don't have to wait for, according to multiple reports, the iPhone SE 4, or fourth generation, is no longer expected to launch next year, which for people that are thinking about an SE this year, it looks like it's a lot safer bet to do that. So multiple reports from Barclay analysts um, based on their talks with supply chain companies say that Apple's no longer planning to launch a fourth generation iPhone SE in 2024. And they believe it was expected to feature uh, one of Apple's in-house design 5G modems, but the plans appear to be delayed. So don't hold on to your butts. A new product that just came out, I think, I've been traveling, so I think I feel like it came out yesterday or maybe a couple days ago, but it did come out this week. The new, new next generation of the Beats Studio Pro wireless headphones, and so Beats has that iconic look. They they aren't changing anything like that, but really this comes all down to the internals and the improved active noise canceling. You're getting transparency mode. I believe these uh, come equipped with a H2 chip, and that H2 chip drives a lot of the new features you have spatial audio that is right dolby atmos 360 degree sound also there's a custom 40 millimeter driver that has been engineered for these beat studio pros for optimal clarity what they say near zero distortion even at a high volume level and an improvement of up to 80 percent compared to the previous beats studio 3 now they haven't they aren't calling these well the beats studio 3 Yes, these are the Beats Studio Pro now. They're not They're not going to... I don't think they're calling them the Beats Studio 4, but you get it. It's the next generation. So you're getting also enhanced Apple compatibility, easy one-touch pairing, the Siri line, Find My, over-the-air updates, um, and then clearer calls, longer listening to get 40 hours of battery life. But it's still... If you like the Beats Studio, the reality is that these tend to be tuned to more of the hip-hop rap a little bit of pop aficionado that likes deeper bass heavier bass thicker bass that does tend to muddy you know the mids a little bit the highs i mean this has always been every headphone and brand kind of has their own idea and signature sound and the beats have always been bass on bass on bass so if you love beats i think you'll like this because with the new tech it's completely refreshed and it it really makes me wonder what what what's going on with the airpods max uh, you know, AirPods Pro second generation are getting new features because they have the H2 chip inside. AirPods Max, not so much. So what's happening there? We'll see. 
And then finally, in the fun story of the week, a rare 4-gig original iPhone in box, sealed, sold for a record $190,000 at auction. So this is an original from 2007, $190,373, exceeding the previous record for an auction phone. But why was it so much? Well, if you recall, when Apple first released the first-gen iPhone, it was offered in 4-gig and 8-gig sizes. And the 4-gig was only sold for a limited time because... And it made it rare because of that, because it just wasn't that popular. Apple pulled it off the shelves. And so this 4-gig iPhone first-gen phone sold for $190,000. When the phone did launch, like I said, it was originally either 4 gigs or 8 gigs. And then the 8-gig turned out to be more popular. Apple ended up discontinuing 4 gigs. And then just a few months later, in favor of a higher 16-gig capacity. So this auction, if you look at maybe a little historically of what has happened recently, 8-gig original iPhones, which were more common, there's one that sold for 63000 in February, one that sold for 54000 in March. I believe that one was the one that our YouTube and friend of the channel, Marquez Brownlee, bought and unboxed because why not? <laughs> so the latest super rare 4-gig iPhone from 2007, sold for $190,000. What would you do what would you personally do with that money? What what if Apple no, Apple would Apple want to get one back? I don't. I mean that's that's a lot of cheddar. A lot of cheddar, but hey. Teach their own. That's why when someone says, "Oh, this isn't worth it." It may not be worth it to you, but it might be worth it to someone else and it's not for us to judge if this is worth it unless it's something really obscene. You know, I've gone on the record and said the Apple Vision Pro is worth the price, but I'm not telling you to buy it. Based on the competitive landscape, based on everything I've seen, tried, and experienced, it is worth it from a technical standpoint. But is it worth it for you? That is different. It's going to always be different. So we'll see how it all plays out. All right, big thanks to our Platinum Apples at the $100 level supporting this podcast. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jared Lewis, Michael Gigliotti, Atari Koenigsegg, and Glenn Canales. Thank you so much for your support, and thank you to all of you who continue to support my content. And like I said, I'm in San Diego, I'm at Comic-Con, and I'm still bringing the heat for you all. So that's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again. You can support at patreon.com slash Brian Tong. We will talk to you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.